This is episode 383 of the Prepper Website Podcast, where I connect you with resources that will help you live a more self-reliant life so you can love your people, get prepared, and live free. Today's article, A Prepper Must Have Minimal Smoke Cooking Backups. Hey, I'm Todd Sepulveda, the editor of PrepperWebsite.com. This podcast is an audible version with some commentary of articles that have been posted on Prepper Website, a daily curation of preparedness information. These articles are some of the best of the best that have been recently posted on PrepperWebsite.com. All article links and show information can be found on the PrepperWebsitePodcast.com. Everyone, this episode is sponsored by my ebook, The Preparedness Community's Guide to a Microbiz and Increasing Your Finances. If you'd like some more information, click on the link in the show notes or come on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. Hey, a couple of reviews came through over the weekend, and I greatly appreciate it when these come through. Uh, a five-star review from God Complex One, and this one from Canada, and uh, it just says lots of different prepper topics. And, uh, you know, real s- simple, short review, greatly appreciate the five-star review. And then MPH Medic. Uh, gave another five-star review and says, Such great advice. Thank you for your service and commitment to us, your audience. You helped me get through my hour commute to work without showing other drivers my special finger. LOL. I enjoy your insights and, and perspective. Look forward to every new podcast. Hey, guys. Thanks so much for your reviews, especially the five-star reviews. It means a whole lot to me. And uh, I just, I'm grateful that people find value out there. You know, I did go over to iTunes uh, this weekend and I noticed that uh, somebody has left a, or a couple of people have left one star reviews lately. And, uh, you know, that really does a lot to bring down the overall average of it. Uh, and I like you to get a one star review. You got to be really, really bad. And so either somebody doesn't like, you know, I don't know the way maybe I talk about my faith or or whatever it is. But uh, a one star review. I mean, come on. So uh, I, I do appreciate it when you give leave a five star review because that does help out uh, with the with the algorithms and lets people know you know what kind of podcast it is and uh, it just you know it's a big blessing to me to let me know that people are out there and uh, they are listening and they value the podcast um, because you know there it, it is a lot of work to do it every single day and uh, I, but again I, I do it I feel like I'm supposed to. And so I, I enjoy uh, reading other people's reviews and then also, you know, when, uh, when I realize people value it. So let's go ahead and jump into our article of the podcast. It comes to us from theprepperjournal.com. And this one is a, it's a great article because it provides a lot of different ideas. And I'm going to tell you on this one, um, if you're not used to visiting the websites, um, that I put into the show notes. You might want to on this one because this one has a lot of great pictures uh, to give you some ideas of different uh, cooking uh, possibilities out there when it comes to having uh, d- different uh, means to cook your food, basically. And so uh, I, I think this is one you probably want to visit just for the ideas that you see in the in the, the photos, but a lot of good information. So let's go ahead and jump into it. Prepper must have a minimal smoke cooking backups. Some holiday weekend, head out to the burbs or stroll through some campgrounds or a public park. Your nose will pick up a couple very distinctive smells, wood smoke and charcoal grills. Charcoal and wood fire scents carry far and linger long, presenting a pretty significant cue that people are nearby. They also regularly offer really lovely wisps and plumes visible above rooftops retaining walls, 
hedges, and woods depending on fuel source, weather, and skill. Even relatively small grills can pump enough to hone in our senses and have us in the neighborhood. We may very well want to avoid those telltales in some disasters, and there are plenty of other reasons low and no-smoke cooking backups are a must-have for preppers. They apply to normal outage-based disasters and world-shaking events, and to beginners, apartment dwellers, and soft climate dwellers, as well as the old hats who are already familiar with the numbingly back-aching, incredulous amount of wood it takes to cook daily and keep even a tight, well-insulated home warm. The backup methods I'll list commonly use less fuel or completely different fuels than our primary systems. That diversity and efficiency helps our resources last longer and keeps us cooking when resupply isn't available. If we already count on wood or propane for winter heat or cooking, using alternatives now can lower our current burden, giving us the ability to stockpile more or some extra cash in time. Many of us try to avoid pine and unseasoned wood in chimneys, especially brick that can't be taken apart for easier access. Non-flammable, cleaner burning, and tabletop methods help limit buildup. There are also scenarios where an injury or illness limits our usual labor. There are reasons to stay hunkered down inside, limit noise, and as such our most efficient tools go down and our production slows. That or something like a flood or a mudslide limits our access. If we can cook and warm spaces without wood, we can hoard that now precious commodity against greater need. Or we may not have a massive wood pile yet, or a fireplace or wood stove of either species. We may not have a functioning chimney, or our chimney may develop a problem during a crisis. Backups for our backups keep us plodding forward. Liquid gas fuels share some of the wood charcoal factors and have some new ones of their own. Many of us live in places where it gets pretty hot. Whatever the fuel used, heating the house unnecessarily just isn't conducive for easing the stress and burdens of an already difficult time, whether the crisis is widespread or only affecting us. On the other hand, outdoor cooking gets old fast for those of us with seasonally or perennially dusty, windy conditions. That's how it goes with picking oak catkins and maple spinners out of food and dealing with flies and mosquitoes. Grilling outside in a pounding rainstorm or a frigid wind also kind of sucks and can take forever. But then again, it's not usually a great idea to use charcoal grills inside. So slight consolation. Food you've suffered for in cold weather tastes better. Muggy hot weather, not so much. And guys, I can tell you, living in Houston when it's hot outside and the sun is blaring, I mean, you want a little bit of shade, but man, it, it does. It, it sucks. Um, options we can use indoors and under screen porches and pop-up pavilions, check a big, big box. There's also the other rule of threes that some of us ascribe to. Three ways to reach and accomplish any task. It's not always possible or practical, but in the case of alternative cooking methods, we can check that box too, easily and with very little outlay in time or money. Most of the methods below use things already in the home, very basic everybody everywhere tools and outright trash recycling that costs nothing but time. Some don't even take up extra space. 
The internet abounds with options for DIYing these and making them more efficient or portable, so I'm not going to reinvent the wheel on that front. I'm not affiliated with any of the links provided, nor do I always agree with the authors or even have any ideas what else they post. They're the simplest, easiest, or most expedient versions that popped when I wanted an example. So minimal smoke cookers. Propane, butane stoves, and grills. There's not a safe DIY for these, and there's potentially competition with preppers, primary fuels, or generators, but they're pretty handy and inexpensive, so I don't want to ignore them. And so she's talking there about the small little propane uh, tanks that you can buy and uh, the small grills that you can have, the little like, uh, um, you know, camping grills that you would take. You know, recently um, someone sent me a thing, well, it probably wasn't recently, maybe about a year ago on butane, uh, butane stoves and butane burners. And they don't, they're not usually used a lot here in the United States, but uh, they're used in, in other smaller countries and especially places that have like little, um, little uh, kitchens that maybe they don't have room for a big stove or something like that. And so uh, these are pretty cool, little butane uh, canisters, and not even canisters, like cans. And uh, you just connect them in there, and you have a burner. And they they're supposedly work pretty good. They last for a while. And so anyway, you can get them on Amazon. So when, I, when someone sent that to me, I started researching them and looking them up. And, I mean, it is a viable solution. And you can go to uh, YouTube and, and look up butane, butane stoves or butane burners and find people that do that. But uh, this, you know, what, what they're saying here in this article is propane is one of those things that people use for heat and people use, uh, you know, in case of, you know, real emergencies. It's kind of like the backup of your backups. And that's what you're going to have. Or you, I mean, this whole article is about backups of your backups of your backups almost. Um, but, you know, having some propane when uh, some of these other things don't work, if you need to cook something, uh, is, is definitely very valuable. All right, so uh, the, the next stove is a rocket stove. So I love these things. They take small kindling and sticks or trash wood and turn it into high-efficiency, high-temperature burn. There's a variation for everyone. Balcony, porch, or backyard, homes, RVs, vehicle kits, or bags, portable. Super easy DIYs use CMU blocks or a paint can, number 10 can, or tall baked beans or spaghetti sauce cans and increasingly smaller cans. Other builds involve buckets, ammo cans, large terracotta pots, cement, and sand. They're not quite as super easy or super fast builds, but some variants further increase efficiency by burning the wood gas that's generated from burning most woods. Some of the store-bought versions have an added bonus. They'll charge small devices or battery packs. They can put off a fair bit of smoke, but they do it quickly and then stash away. They use wood, but we can fuel them with pruners and busted-up furniture and boards instead of axes and campfire stove logs. They're not a simmer, beans, or a baked bread oven stove. It's too fast and hot of a burn. They specialize in fast-cooked foods and quickly bringing foods, waters up to a boil to use with. Okay, I think so in, in this little section right here, they're combining rocket stoves and updraft stoves, kind of like the solo stove, if you're ever familiar with that. And uh, the camping stove, I remember I linked to it, uh, or actually did a review on one that was uh, pretty inexpensive and broke down into its own pot, um, or, or a pot that you could buy. 
I'll link to that article in the show notes if you want. In the show notes, if you want to check that one out. Um, but uh, the updraft or the wood gas stoves that they're that they're uh, talking about here, uh, they really burn efficiently and there's no smoke because the wood gas is burnt off. So not only are you burning the wood that's inside of this this can or, or the stove, but you're also burning the gas that it produces. And so it's very efficient. It burns down, you know, completely all the way. And you'll see that in the article that I have. Uh, I have uh, actually even a little video there for you and uh, uh, pictures for you. But a rocket stove is a little bit different. Um, and so on that, uh, there's pictures here that you can check out and definitely links to uh, rocket stove builds. And uh, they're, they're really easy to make. One of the things that I would do for a rocket stove, if I was really depending on a rocket stove, is I would really have like a big steel plate that I would put on top of it. Or, you know, some kind of big cast iron, uh, you know, um, I guess I guess I want to say plate or whatever. I guess it's uh, like a griddle. Something that I can put uh, more than one pot on because most of the, the rocket stoves that you see People are putting like a pot on and they're using, you know, to boil water or something along those lines. But uh, I have seen videos you know, where rocket stoves were, were made uh, in, in smaller, small villages and stuff like that. And uh, of course, you know, they use it. It's very efficient. But they had this one big metal plate that they put over it. And because they had that, of course, the metal gets hot and you're able to cook on that metal. So you're able to put a lot of food on this one metal plate just as long as you're able to sustain it, you know, and or it's able to stay on the, the stove without. And this one that I'm talking about was a pretty, uh, pretty big stove. But in, just as long as you're able to allow the air to to move up. Uh, up in the stove and you're able to uh, to allow that in the fire to come up but if you can have that steel plate I think it's very beneficial if I find that video I will link to it in the show notes I won't make any promises because it's been a long long time but that's always kind of stuck with me but it recently came up I was talking with my brother-in-law about uh, because he he does some welding and we were talking about getting uh, just a steel plate that uh, that we could use for a rocket stove if we needed to all right, so let's go ahead and move along. The next one is a wonder bag or a wonder box. Purchased or DIY bag or box version, and there's a link here to Instructables. Uh, these function like a thermal cooker. They allow us to use a short burn time to heat food or water to boiling, then retain the heat, turning pre-existing pots into non-electric slow cookers or crock pots. And so these are very cool. Again, you know, you have something like a rocket stove that you you use minimal uh, water or minimal minimal wood to heat up water, and then using these on top like a wonder bag, wonder box, um, really awesome. And so again, and I know that we've talked about these in the past on the podcast. Uh, there are links to make these, and they're not very hard to make. Definitely something you need to consider. And then solar cookers. DIY for solar ovens abound from the simple glass over a tire with a pot inside to some pretty complicated tilts, cuts, and hinges. They're done with pizza boxes and aluminum foil, vehicle reflectors, polished scrap metal, and mirrors. You can spend as little or as much as you fancy ordering in or building. I find them limited to mid-late spring through autumn, but I can protect them from pests pretty easily, and they're great for not heating the house or burning fuels in summer times, as are and steeping jars. 
Okay, so let me go back to uh, these solar cookers. Um, definitely, you can make your own. There's a bunch of different ones on the market. Uh, you know, the the regular, you know, the solar oven, the Solivore oven are good ones. I have looked at both of them. And if you're really interested in one, you know, you could build one and play around with it. Um, but if you're really interested in doing that, uh, you might want to just go ahead and buy buy one. And definitely, they're they're worth it. It's, and, and again, it depends on where you live and how much sun you get. But uh, you know, like some place here in in Houston where uh, we get a lot of heat, a lot of sun, uh, it definitely would be worth it. Okay, so they jumped right into steeping jars, and th- this is kind of interesting. These are basically small-scale solar cookers. It's as simple as pouring dehydrated veggies, grains, or pre-soaked beans in any old jar, adding the needed water, and hanging or setting it in a bright spot. Dark paint or fabric on jars, reflectors, and added insulation like a larger jar or aquarium can increase efficiency, reducing cook time, and extending the weather they're useful in. And then, uh, of course, they have a, don't forget the brew, sun tea, and coffee. They have that, uh, you know, the old sun tea, making sun tea and stuff like that. And then they have one where they're actually, they have some mirrors. And so there's a, there's a steeping jar with mirrors on all sides. And so, man, that really has got to increase the heat there. You got to be careful to touch that because even when uh, the sun starts to go down a little bit, I can I can bet that those glass jars are going to be pretty hot, um, especially setting it up with the mirrors that they have here. All right, so the next one is water bags and camp showers. Getting the sun to give us a head start or completely handle heating water for us decreases resource and time expenditure. We can use anything, purpose-made, painted, covered garden sprayers, or regular old jugs. The warmed water can be used for wash-ups or for soaking and cooking freeze-dried foods, Lipton Nor, rice sides, or our own noodles and rice. The sun is free when it's there, compared to other resources, whether it's propane, charcoal, or self-cut wood, and there's little wear or on parts compared to hydro or wind power. Even if the sun only warms that water, it's reducing wait time and resource use. So keep a pot of water on a conventional oven, arctic brick stove, space heater, or wood stove, or on, under, or beside a grill, and while a rocket stove burns out to accomplish the same ready-to-use pre-warming even now. It's even handier in winter, increasing heat radiation and serving as a heat sink. DIY Candles The upcoming methods call for a candle or alcohol stove. Those heat sources are interchangeable. Differing flame heights will require adjustments. We can also create our own. With cotton mop strands, cord, or real wick, olive oil can fuel lamps. And there is a link here to to an article. Small citronella burners are really nice alternatives to open jars if we'll have our lamps in and out of service for a while during an outage or a long-term disaster. And so when they say that small citronella, I'm thinking uh, they're using the burners maybe with olive oil instead of using the the actual citronella uh, smell there or, or, uh, you know, whatever that you would put in there, the liquid that you would put in there to... uh, Uh, to ward off mosquitoes and stuff like that when you're outside. Uh, We can sink wicks into shortening too, in jars or the original tubs, creating another simple and surprisingly long-lasting cooking method out of multifunctional storage items. 
We use candles and mini stoves in a grill or set them up campfire tailgate style with a grate over a terracotta pot, bricks or some cans, fill them with water, sturdier and pre-warmed or boiled water. Smells from candle, oil and fuel brick stoves and ovens will carry to nearby neighbors, so will cooking foods, but they dissipate even faster than quick burn rocket stoves. The traces are even more contained when used indoors. And so they do have a, uh, a picture here with uh, a bunch of little like little self-made candles. And uh, they have uh, some soda cans, I guess, filled with water. That's what they were talking about there with a, a grill on top, setting on top, and they're boiling water. And so, again, you know, there's a lot of different ways that you can do this. So clay pot heaters and cookers. These are pretty easy to find for DIY using as much hardware as you like or kept streamlined and simple, or is prettied up ready to use purchases. They can be effective on their own, most usually to slowly warm foods like a slow cooker. But if they get plopped in a grill or even crack the door, the efficiency goes up and food will heat faster and more uh, evenly. That goes for any of the methods that will fit, being mindful of flame size and fumes. And so uh, this is kind of interesting, right? So they basically have taken uh, a bunch of candles and, uh, you know, they, a bunch of candles and these warmers and put them inside of an oven. And that increases just the, the retention of the heat all the way around. So uh, they're going to talk uh, about that one here, especially uh, candle ovens. We can buy a Herc oven, a multiple recipes example here at uh, a link that they provide or DIY our own. It's just rigging clusters of taper or pillar candles, DIY candle lamps, or a whole slew of votives or tea lights on a drip-safe surface inside an oven and cooking or baking at 200 to 300 degrees on the grate above. And then uh, it says here, hood or tent foods in full-size ovens and campfire grates with an overturned bowl or larger pan. It'll hold heat closer to the food, speeding things up and cooking more evenly. So can stoves, these are super easy, super effective spinoffs of sterno stoves and the military camping and emergency solid fuel stoves that abound. They can be done with greatest simplicity with just two types of can openers, or we can go to town with tin snips to increase ease or rig cross bar grills at the top. So backing up backups. Increasing redundancy in our disaster cooking increases our ability to weather absolutely any storm. That makes these guys a prepper must-have in my book. Some methods also significantly reduce our observable footprint, which may end up a major benefit, and some are reasonable alternatives to heating up our kitchens even now. Most of these have easy, inexpensive DIY options, allowing everyone to build extra resiliency into the disaster plans. All right, guys, so definitely something to consider. I know that this is something that I have considered uh, for my dad's place up in the country where uh, where we go because it is off-grid. And when you're right in the middle of summer, you don't want to be heating up or you know, bringing more heat into uh, the kitchen, you know, into the, into the house. So you want to be cooking outdoors. The same thing happened when we were going through Hurricane Harvey or any other, uh, you know, outage when we have, you know, a blackout or whatever. And we've experienced those here where you don't want to heat up the house. You don't want to put something on the oven. You don't want to even put something on the stove. Uh, even something like a candle um, can can start to heat up the house. I remember when we were running the group home uh, years ago, 
the the lights had gone out and uh, my wife had had lit all you know a bunch of candles and so everyone was in the living room and uh, you know we're in there we're talking and we're just you know hanging out because uh, the lights are out and the candles are there and uh, just kind of really waiting to go to bed and uh, we just we, we realized with all the candles and we're talking maybe about five or six of them because it was a pretty big living room um, we we were getting kind of warm and uh, it was of course the AC was off but it was the candles were adding to it so you've got to be careful with all of that so uh, especially cooking so when you're cooking and uh, it is you now you're in an off-grid situation for whatever reason um, you want to be cooking outside and have multiple ways to do it you know, I remember going camping one one time as a Boy Scout, and I had one of those, uh, you know, big number ten cans that you turn into a stove, and uh, you have you, you make your own sterno with uh, wax and cardboard, and uh, I used that to cook all my meals. You know, I I did bacon and eggs, and and I did all that kind of stuff, and so uh, it it was easy to do and uh, easy to make. You know, I was I was a kid uh, doing that. And so there's a lot of different ways to do it. You know, spending a little bit of money, you can buy some really nice items. Uh, you know that that people recommend. You can also build your your own, but definitely you want to have uh, different uh, options out there when it comes to it, uh, because you want to be able to cook your food, and it's important to have you know warm food and to to do all of that. Not only for you know cooking, but you know sometimes you need warm water for uh, you know for whatever it might be. You know, what about just just to to make your coffee? Uh, you know that would be a thing. Can you imagine having to start a fire like a like a, a campfire every time you wanted to make your coffee in the morning? You think about that. I mean, think about what you do right now. Right now, you you walk over to the pot and you turn it on, and or maybe you even have an automatic timer when you wake up in the morning. It's already the pot's there for you, and you're able to pour it. And can you imagine having to build a fire and and all that good stuff? Uh, you know that's that's crazy. So anyway, having backups is always a, a great way, and then practicing with them and you know doing them uh, or using them, you know, in in different ways. Even if it's on the weekend, you know, just like having a little bit of fun and seeing how it all works and how it all plays out, and seeing if there's any things you need to do. So guys, that's over at theprepperjournal.com. Like always, I'm going to link to it in the show notes, as well as those other links that I talked about. I'm going to find those for you and put them in, uh, and uh, so you can click on those if you're interested in just a little bit more. Well, everyone, that is it for episode 383. Thanks for starting out your week with me and uh, being part of the podcast. Hey, don't forget to subscribe to the show. Head on over to theprepperwebsitepodcast.com. That way you never miss another episode of Sweet Prepper Goodness. And take a moment to connect with me. I have a ton of ways to connect in the show notes. And with that, choose to live a more self-reliant life. Choose not to be so dependent on the government grid or the grind. Until tomorrow, stay prepped and aware. Peace.